For the week of August 23rd, 2017, this is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I am your host. My name is Stephen Cox. Hello. On this week's show, we talk with Democratic congressional candidate Mona Doss, who is running in the 8th District. And then we talk with two members of the Sammamish-based group, Platopians for Peace, Sarah Haas Kimsey and Yasmin Abdel-Dayam, about the mission of their group and how it is more timely than ever. All that, plus our call to action and our much-needed dose of good news. My first guest, Mona Doss, is running to replace Dave Reichert in the 8th District. In addition to being vice chair of the Multnomah County Advisory Committee on Sustainability and Innovation and on the Budget Committee for the Portland Bureau of Planning in Oregon, she is also the founder of Moxie Mortgage here in Washington. Mona is Indian American and is the child of immigrants. I asked her how that experience has informed her view of American politics. I moved here uh, with my family when I was eight months old, and we had $6 and really a dream for a better life. And education is one of the things that really, really um, helped our family thrive, and it's something that's really important to me. I think that for folks, you know, to get to know me and to understand the things that I care about, it is those American values. It is come to this country, work hard. Be, be part of the community and really put your effort in there. And, and that really helps, helps us thrive. Yeah. And I want to get into some of those issues in detail in a little bit so we can drill down on those. But you mentioned education obviously very important. And in terms of your educational background, you have an undergraduate degree in psychology, you have an MBA, you started a very successful uh, mortgage business. How does that all come together in a political context for you? Kind of weave those all together for me if you can. Yeah, education is the key, the cornerstone, right? So being educated and, and getting educated is really one of the things that helps us as a community thrive. And, and as most of us together uh, can thrive. That's really the key there. Um, but for you specifically, yeah. I mean, so we talk about a psychology background, mm-hmm. an MBA, a mortgage business. Those things can certainly align into a political uh, career and into a political philosophy. And I'm just wondering how they do for you. For me, owning a, a business. So I have a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been uh, having a, a mortgage business for the last 13 years. That has helped me. So the main focus for our business is putting first-time home buyers into homes. So about 42% of our clients are first-time home buyers, and we know that this area, uh, specifically in the Pacific Northwest, is really struggling with affordable housing issues. Yes, it is. Yeah. And that's one of the things that really drives me is I know that wealth is created through real estate. That's one major way that wealth is created. And so for me, helping folks get into their first home is something that's really important to me. Sometimes we work with clients for a year or two, helping them fix their credit blemishes, work on uh, student loan payments. A lot of our clients have student loans that they need to work on. And so for me and for my clients and for my business, helping those folks get into their first home is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. And I know that that's something that is an issue in this area specifically, is affordable housing. Absolutely. So I want to get into some of the platform issues, but I'm, I'm curious before we do, what was the tipping point for you? What made you decide to jump into the race and, and run? Like many, I woke up on November 9th and I knew the mm. world was a different place. I had so many friends who just couldn't get off the floor. They were so upset. They were crying. They couldn't eat. They couldn't sleep. 
I woke up on November 9th and I knew, I knew it was my time to roll up the sleeves and get to work. I knew that everything that we hold dear was going to be under attack. Women's issues, immigration issues, education, clean air, clean water, everything. And as we've seen now, everything's being rolled back. And a lot of times there's so much sensational news out there that we don't even see sometimes what's really happening. And I knew that 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 was going to be the case. And that's why I want to go to Congress is to fight for our our values. I know that you've had a really good response so far. Just give us an idea of how you some of the events that you've been attending, the reception that you've been getting. Just give us a general idea how it's going out there. We have been knocking on doors every weekend, and I can tell you that I love doing it. It's, you know, people answer the door, and we've been doing a lot of work with the Summer of Canvas and multiple of the indivisible groups. And when you knock on— Yeah, we've seen you out there, Mona. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love doing it. First of all, I'm I'm, I'm outgoing, so that's— Yes, you are. (laughs) That fits well for um, my personality. But knocking on doors is, for us, is really informing our policy platforms and our decisions on how we are going to run this campaign. Folks are so excited to just be heard. We know that Reichert is not showing up. We know our constituents and our neighbors— and our families are not being heard. And so for us, to, when we knock on doors and just say, hey, we're here to listen, that really, really makes a difference for folks. We've been attending events. We've So many picnics. I can't tell you how many cubs of corn I've eaten and hot dogs I've eaten. And um, You're going to be a real politician. <laughs> <laughs> Kissing babies. You know, I, sure. have, I have two nephews that live in Chicago who I miss very dearly. So I'm always appreciative when um, I get to snuggle some, some, some happy person's kid. You are one of... Now, I believe 10 officially declared candidates. You are the only woman of color. Um, in what other ways do you differentiate yourself? Do you see you as different from the other candidates? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a multimillionaire. And I'm not a rocket scientist. I am a woman who came here with, you know, with my family at a very young age to really build a, a life, a different life, and live that dream. When I close your eyes, Stefan, <laughs> okay. look at Congress, what do you see? Well, it's, it's becoming more diverse, but it's mostly white males, sure. Over the age of 60. Right. And that really bothers me. You know, for every five members of Congress, less than one is a woman. That's, that does not reflect the diversity of our country. It does not reflect the diversity of our community. And it certainly does not reflect the diversity of this district. And speaking of this district, and I know you're going to get this question, so I'm just going to put it out there. You have not lived in this district long. Um, so how do you respond to questions about having moved here a relatively short period of time ago? A thousand people a week are moving to this area. And like many, I can't afford Seattle. So for me, living in Covington to build community there was something that was important to me in an area that I could afford to live. As I said, I wanted to jump into platforms. And so let's do that. Uh, and actually, I think the thing I want to I want to get your take on what's really on everybody's mind right now. And that's the events that happened in Charlottesville uh, over the weekend of Saturday, the 12th. Um, there is so much to be done to fight back against what's happening, but specifically from a legislative standpoint. Uh, how do you see the federal government, and more importantly, how do you see the House of Representatives' role in fighting back against neo-Nazi, white nationalist hate groups who are becoming more emboldened now? I think first, 
they need to be called out for what they are, which is terrorism groups. I see, I see racism and I see sexism. I see it every day. I see it as a woman of color. I see it as a business owner. And I know more folks are waking up to the hatred that is actually out there that I believe um, our president has helped bring to the surface. It's time. It's time for us to stand up for each other. And your group might be next, right? Right now we're fighting against um, the Nazis, you know, the folks that are marching with the Confederate flags. This is not okay. Mm. This is t- We are past this, yet we're not. Today is actually Indian, India Independence Day. And I think of, uh, you know, a great leader, Mahatma Gandhi, who's be the change you wish to see. And I think folks really need to go deep and really think about what this means to them and what they can do to make a change. It has to come from within. We have to start from within. So let's talk about what's a slightly less charged topic, but nonetheless an extremely important one. That's health care. Uh, the Republicans were unable to push through an Obamacare repeal. Uh, yay. Uh, so two questions about that. First, um, even President Obama knew that the ACA was not perfect. What would you like to see done to improve it? We need to amend it. Um, you know, there's we all know that there's lots of things that that can be fixed. Uh, I don't you know, I amend it. Don't end it is what our mantra is. We know that there are healthcare providers that aren't getting what they need. We know that there are um, clients and patients that aren't getting what they need, uh, especially in the rural communities. We've been out to Wenatchee and we've talked to some of those folks about what their health care concerns are. And, you know, a lot of a lot of what we're hearing when we knock on the doors is, is my health care going to go away? Are my premiums going to go up? And are they going to completely, you know, am I going to still be able to see my own doctors and that kind of thing? So really for us, it's listening to our constituents and finding out what parts of the health care system aren't working so that we can help fix those. Where do you land specifically on single-payer or Medicare-for-all type system? Is that something that you would push for right away? I believe that health care is a right for every American. I believe that whether it's going to be single-payer or universal health care or whatever it's going to be called, that we need to have affordable health care for all Americans. So you're sort of agnostic in terms of how you get there. The goal is is affordable health care for all. Correct. Yes. Okay. So you're not necessarily going to say single payer or nothing. You're saying however we get to the end goal is right. There's there. lots of different ways to get there. We could expand Medicaid, uh, Medicare. We could single payer, universal health care. There's lots of different ways we can get there. There's a lot of partisan rancor in Congress right now, obviously. Uh, so you know the, the there's discussion right now about bipartisan efforts to fix health care. Would you be amenable to that, working with the Republicans? Absolutely. Absolutely. We can't get anything done if we other each other. Mm. That's just not, it's not an option. Uh, right now, especially, you know, we, we don't have a majority in the House. Hopefully by 2018, we will. But we still can't alienate those folks um, on the other side of the aisle. We have to work together. That's one of the things that I've always done in my career and in my personal life has been a huge collaborator. And I know we, we have the solution. We just have to work together. You also talk on your website about a healthy economy. Um, and I'm wondering what that means to you, specifically in the context of the 8th District. What is, in your mind, the backbone of a healthy economy, particularly as it uh, applies to us here in Washington? Healthy economy is jobs. 
it's jobs for pe- that people love to do and love to wake up and go to. It is a thriving uh, economic system, healthcare system. You know, we, we, we saw last week what not having clean air was like. The smoke that we had was right. devastating to many. Many didn't go outside. Many people didn't exercise. Many people looked for places that were air conditioned because many of us don't have air conditioning out in this area. Right. Yeah. And so for me, healthy also means clean air and clean water. You mentioned jobs, and I think on the west side of the Cascades in the Eighth District, uh, the you know the job economy is pretty robust. There's a lot of tech jobs um, on the other side of the Cascades, and maybe a little north and south, not so much. And uh, or at the very least, I get the impression that people. Um, outside of, say, King County, feel a little excluded by the tech economy. How do you best serve the interests of those people who, say, don't work inside the the tech county? How do you create jobs for people in, in areas outside of King County? Small business is what rules our economy. And so creating opportunities for small businesses is something that we're looking at. Another thing that we're looking at is part of our environmental policy, which is um, uh, green tech jobs. So um, building uh, wind turbines. I know there's a, a big wind tur- turbine fa- farm out near Ellensburg, and there's a lot. The wind is wind is always there. Wind and solar. So we're working with our. Um, we've got a lot of friends in the industry. So really working with them on how to help create jobs that can propel us uh, to the new economy. You list another item on your website that I'd really like for you to flesh out for us a little bit, and that's something you call sustaining our quality of life. So on your site, you say some are lucky enough to be born here, but many of us came to Washington from somewhere else. Regardless, we stay for the same reasons. Now more than ever, these shared qualities that sustain our lives must be protected. What do you mean by that specifically? What what do you see as under threat? Well, as as we talked about earlier, clean air, clean water. I think people come to this area if they didn't if they weren't born and raised here for the outdoors and for the access to the outdoors and being able to enjoy the fish, the salmon, the the outdoor activities, the skiing, all of those things are under threat if we if we continue on the path that we are where we're rolling back all of these regulations. So a few other things that may come up in a Democratic Congress if it uh, turns for the Democrats and yeah, fingers crossed in 2018. Uh, so as the child of immigrants. Immigration is it's clearly very important to you. Um, the lives of immigrants under the Trump administration have been under near constant threat on a daily basis. The revoking of visas, the several versions of the travel ban, uh, increased deportations. There's currently an attempt by some Republicans to take away DACA protections. Uh, and in fact, uh, today, as we record on Tuesday, August 15th, there are events across the country to protect immigrant rights. Um, and again, from a legislative angle, if you can articulate, how do you best stand up and fight for immigrant rights? Well, we spent some time in the district in Wenatchee, and we spoke with um, an expert on in the tree industry, you know, just taking care of the cherry trees and the peach trees. And he was sharing with us some of the consequences of these immigration bans and folks being afraid to go to work. They're afraid to go to work. They're afraid to go to the hospital if they get sick. They are afraid to leave their homes. And so what's happening is a lot of this fruit is just rotting on the trees because they don't have enough workers. For me, it's absolutely critical and crucial that people feel that they, they feel safe. And I think that's what happened, especially 
with the immigration bans that were happening. And, and even I, as an American citizen, you know, I, I look different and I look like somebody that's not from here. And I was I was scared. I was scared for myself and for my family. There's we have to be strong. We have to be stern. We have to be absolutely clear that this is not okay. It's an enormously personal issue. And when you mentioned the fruit rotting on the trees, I'm immediately thinking of it also as an economic issue. Absolutely. Do you see it that way? 100%. So if, those, if that fruit and if those crops can't get to market, then the farmers lose out, the, the towns lose out, the you know, the the income for the workers also. So it affects the economy greatly. Another issue is impeachment. Uh, a number of activist groups, including Indivisible, are calling for impeachment now. Uh, and this is something that, that could absolutely be on the table if the Democrats take over uh, the House of Representatives in 2018. Many see this as an issue of timing. They don't want to have repeated calls for impeachment until it's politically possible, meaning that there is a Senate that's willing to convict. How do you see it? Well, as we all hope, in 2018, there will be a Democratic majority in the House. And if there is a bill put forward to for impeachment, then I would sign it. So let's talk about the district itself. Um, as we know, the 8th District has been gerrymandered to make it uh, a Republican safe seat. And uh, but all that said, the district went for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so... How do you hope to reach voters? And we've talked about this a little bit. But how are you hoping to really connect with voters who may have gone for Hillary Clinton, but who voted for Dave Reichert in 2016? Our strategy is definitely a grassroots strategy. So we have been out to Wenatchee. We've got uh, another event um, out there in September. We have events um, already in outside of Ellensburg and in Cleelum. For us, it's meeting the voters. It's meeting the constituents. It's meeting everybody that we possibly can. It's knocking on as many doors as we can. Things aren't going to change until people feel heard. And people feel heard when they meet you in person, when they get to talk to you, get to take pictures with you, mm-hmm. and really get to understand who you are as a person, why you want to do what you want to do, and that you really care enough to represent them. So give us an example of some of the conversations that you've had in voters in places like Wenatchee, Cleallum, Ellensburg. What are people there saying to you? They are they are just grateful that somebody's there to listen. They're happy that someone is willing to stand up to Reichert and to stand up against the Trump administration. They, Like I said before, they really are concerned about health care. Transportation is a big issue on both sides of the mountains. It's interesting, a topic, because... In um, in the in the eastern part of the district, they they care about transportation, about getting their crops to and from the port. Mm. That's really concerning to them. And then on this side, it's traffic. So people yeah. are really really concerned about traffic. And as new um, buildings and housing developments go up, you know, is there feasibility studies that are done so that they can help mitigate some of the traffic issues? So for us, the. And it's that's what's interesting about this district, as you mentioned. It's been gerrymandered, and so the 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 constituency is very divided. The issues are the same, but why they are why their issues for them are different. Immigration issues are different on both sides as well. So in the eastern part of the state, in the central part, they care about immigration because of the folks that are there working. Right. You know, are they going to be deported if they go to the hospital? Are they going to be uh, found out if they go to the grocery store? 
And then on this side, it's the tech workers. Is are they going to get their H one B visas? Are they going to be able to stay? You know, those so the the diff, the the topics are the same, but how they are addressed in the, both sides of the district are very different. Given how gregarious you are, I don't suppose I need to ask this question, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, one of the big issues that a lot of people have with Dave Reichert is that he is inaccessible. He does not hold town halls. He is, you know, he, he holds occasional meetings with his constituents six at a time or eight at a time. Tell us how you would deal with town halls, meeting constituents, all that. We've already held our first town hall. We had a Facebook Live town hall. Meeting people and getting out. I mean, I was at three events yesterday. The day before, I was at another three events. So meeting people is something that I love to do. It's definitely something that I am passionate about. So I have no issues holding town halls, meeting constituents, and going to events. Please keep inviting me to the picnics. I love hot dogs, (laughs) and I love corn on the cob. So thanks for that. But yeah, so, and I guess I would just say, you know, town halls can often be um, less than friendly events. So how, how do you deal with something like that if you're, if you're dealing with angry constituents? Yeah, well, so. I went to the town hall that, um, that R- David Riker did not show up to, but Pramila did. And I, I know you were there as you were moderating. We saw each other. And there was not one angry person. There was not one angry comment it was a supportive community. It was people who just wanted their voices heard, and they wanted to have their questions answered by a congressperson, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't their own. I guess I will just say that, you know, that was a very, very friendly event. It was mostly progressives and Pramila Jayapal, as you mentioned. The uh, congresswoman from the 7th District is extremely progressive in her politics. And so it was a friendly crowd. If you were, say, to go out to Wenatchee um, and you were getting a lot of, let's say, hostile questions about the way that you voted a particular way, how do you deal with that? You listen. You listen you take it in and you try to address their concerns. You're definitely not going to please everybody. That's that's not what this job is about. But this job is about making sure you listen to your constituents and give them outlets to share their views. So uh, you, I'm sure, like we all are, are well aware of the split that is still dividing the Democratic Party uh, between, I guess, what we can call the Bernie side and the Hillary side. And this is... This is a question that gets asked a lot, but I'm really curious to get your take on it. First of all, do you see yourself on one side or the other of that split? I see myself as a Democrat, and I see myself as somebody who wants to fight for the values that we all hold dear. Well, what are those then? How do you define those? How do you define core Democratic values? For me, it's about uh, um, equality and equity immigration, education, and women's health care and women's rights, right, the right to choose. I think, you know, I have friends on both sides. I have Bernie friends. I have Hillary friends. And as we have been emboldened in this in this Trump agenda for the last six months, I see my friends really coming together and realizing that it's not about Hillary. It's not about Bernie. It's, it's about fighting for what we all care about. And I'm a collaborator, and I really hope that I can help bridge some of that divide and make it a bigger issue. One of my favorite phrases is, if if there's a problem and if you can't solve it, make it bigger, blow it up, make <laughs> it do, bigger. How do you mean by that? It means just, you know, what is the problem, right? So if we're fighting against, you know, Bernie or Hillary, okay, now we're fighting against Trump. So how do we 
how do we come together to make sure that that's our issue? That's what we're fighting against and not about which side you were on and who did you vote for. And, well, speaking of who you voted for or maybe not have voted for, if you are not the nominee, do you put your uh, support and weight behind whoever is the eventual, uh, eventual nominee for the, uh, the 8th District? Absolutely. I mean, I hope it's going to be me, of, of course. Of course, of course, but yeah. But yes, um, if it is not me, then um, I will definitely support the, wh- whichever Democrat makes it through. And since this is a podcast that is foreign about the indivisible movement, I would be remiss if I did not ask how you view uh, grassroots groups like indivisible and their role. I, you've been very visible uh, with indivisible, so I assume that you have a very favorable view. But just elaborate a little bit, if you could, on how you view the role of grassroots groups in today's politics. I am absolutely grateful for Indivisible, the Lake Taps Resistance Group. All of these groups have really given folks an outlet for their anger. So writing letters and sending emails and calling your constituents is one thing, but getting out there and doing something and being amongst a group where other like-minded folks are, you know, uh, going to events is has been critical for us. It's been great. We we've attended. I attended as many events as I possibly can. We've gotten um, great supporters from from these groups, folks that uh, will canvas with us as well, and volunteers for our campaign. I'm absolutely grateful for the work that uh, Chris is doing. You're and talking about Chris Petzl. I She's am the head of, of Washington's eighth uh, eighth district indivisible. Yeah, and Lael and Kelly out in from Wenatchee, Wenatchee. Yeah. have been fantastic, and. I am. I'm grateful. So how can people learn more about you and how can they get involved with your campaign if they would like to? Thank you. Well, our website is electmona.com and we would love to hear from you. You can volunteer on our site and you can sign up for uh, and just stay in our database and, and find out what events we're attending. Great. And our fa- we also have a Facebook page. That's also electmona. Das. Cool. Well, I will put all of that on the website and on the SoundCloud page. And uh, Mona Das, thanks so much. Thank you, Stefan. It is time now for this week's call to action. But first, our much-needed dose of good news. And for that, I think we need to look no further than the massive response we've seen across the country following the horrific events in Charlottesville, as well as Trump's, let's call them varied statements on the matter. There have been solidarity rallies in 13 states, and people have gathered at the White House and at Trump Tower in protest. And thousands of people turned out for a candlelight vigil at the University of Virginia campus. All of those events have been peaceful. So there's your alt-left right there, I suppose. Additionally, scores of Confederate monuments have been removed in eight states with plans to remove one here in Washington. Who knew we even had one, you ask? We weren't even a state at the time of the Civil War. That must have something to do with the fact that most of these monuments were put up in the early part of the 20th century when the Klan was ascendant and was attempting to intimidate African Americans. And they were also put up in the 1960s when Dixiecrats were, again, attempting to intimidate African Americans around the Civil Rights movement. So when Donald Trump talks about the culture of these statues, I suppose we know exactly what he means. 
So again, there is only one side here, and it is the right side of history. And the good news is the vast majority of Americans stand on that side, and we are making our voices heard. And so for this week's call to action. Now, given just how much Trump has again underscored how unfit he is to lead our nation, most recently in his comments at Tuesday's re-election rally in Phoenix, let's be civil and call those comments unhinged. Oh, and another spot of good news there. Protesters outside far outnumbered the people inside, many of whom apparently left early. This week's call to action is a replay of last week's. Call your representative and ask him or her to support Seattle Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal's resolution for censure. Here's why it's important. It shows a vote of no confidence by Congress. And more importantly, it forces every representative to take a stand. Do they stand with the majority of Americans on the right side of history against the forces of violent hate and bigotry? Or do they stand with Trump? So let's call our representative and ask him or her to support censure of Donald Trump. And that is this week's call to action. Sarah Heise Kimsey is one of the co-founders of Platopians for Peace, a group based in the Sammamish Plateau whose mission is to promote a united, supportive, and inclusive community. She is joined by member Yasmin Abeldayam, and she co-chairs the Neighbors Without Borders Committee. And uh, welcome to you both. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having us. So the mission of your group is, sadly, more timely and essential than ever. Uh, And we'll certainly talk about the events in Charlottesville. But I'd like people to first get an idea of who you both are and what the group is about. So, Sarah, let's start with you. You're one of the co-founders and director of the group. How did you come to start Platopians for Peace? Um, I woke up the day after the election, and I was just... I, I was just so exhausted over the whole thing, the whole process. And I felt like I, I really wonder how my more my, uh, marginalized neighbors are feeling right now. And so I took my kids to school. I dropped them off. I went back home. I crawled back into bed. And at about noon, I was like, this is crazy. I have to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. So I put something on my Facebook page and then on a neighborhood page. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be at City Hall tonight. I need a hug. And if you're part of a marginalized community or you want to stand up for a marginalized community and you feel like you need a hug to show up to City Hall. And we had like 35 people show up that night that I'd never met before. And we decided to do it again. So that was a Wednesday. And then we said, well, let's do it on a sat- on Saturday and see, you know, see who comes. Um, and then we doubled our numbers. And we had about 70 something come on Saturday night. And from there on, we were like, there's so much energy here. Well, people needed hugs for sure. I needed one. Yes, everybody was welcome. We didn't ask who you voted for. It was really just an acknowledgement that this was kind of a mess and exhausting. And there was a lot of hate out there. And we wanted to feel like our neighbors were there for us. We wanted to feel that sense of community. And then directly after the inauguration uh, at the Women's March, you were very uh, instrumental in busing a number of people out to the march. Tell us about that. Well, that was a really interesting story because we thought my my co-founder, Liz Folland and I, and then we brought in Kate Gordon as well, thought, hey, we let's take a bus. Let's let's take a bus. Let's rent a bus. And we were really, really worried that we weren't going to be able to fill the bus and that we we're going to have to come up with a couple hundred bucks to pay for the empty seats. 
And we brought in somebody from Issaquah, um, Kathy Geller, and she's like, I know some people and they're not getting out of this. They're coming to the March too. And I'm like, okay. And before we knew it, we filled that bus. And um, by the time we ended up at the Women's March, we had almost a thousand people. I think it was like 968 people, 19 buses. And a lot of people who, including myself, had never been to any kind of march or protest or anything before. Yeah, it was the first time for a lot of people. So three objectives that you talk about on your website are to keep it peaceful, keep it inclusive, and keep it moving forward. What do you mean when you say specifically moving forward? Well, I think one thing that Platopians, or several things that Platopians seem to really want it wasn't just that they wanted to go to the women's march. It's, it, they needed an opportunity to show up. I think many of us up here on the plateau, myself included, realize that we come from privilege. We have a lot of privilege here. We want to show up. We want to do the vigil. We want to do the marches. But then what? You know, there, there's got to be action behind it. So one thing that we feel is important in moving forward is listening and education, which is why we're providing opportunities for those things as well, in addition to showing up for vigils and marches. Yeah, let's talk about one of those events that you did, because in March you did a seminar on civil disagreement, uh, which is, I think, an enormously uh, essential topic right now. Tell us about that event. Well, I actually sought out something to find out how can we disagree and keep it civil, and how can we, you know— have these conversations and have them be fruitful and moving forward. So I look, was looking for a, something specifically to bring to the plateau about how to disagree, how to have these really hot conversations and move forward. Hmm. Um, and I saw this seminar come up through um, the King County Library System. And so I emailed the King County Library System and I said, who's this guy that's talking about civil disagreement? And I connected with him and he came and Good Samaritan Episcopal Church donated the space. And we had um, Dr. David Smith come out and talk about how to have these conversations and how to actually disengage when it wasn't civil anymore. So we learned a lot of really great skills in that seminar. Well, Yasmin, let's bring you into the conversation. Tell us how you came to be involved with Platopians for Peace. So I would say for me, there was like three main events that led me to where I am right now with Platopians for Peace. So the first one is the day right after the elections. And uh, I remember the day I just felt lost and my heart was heavy and I was in tears. And uh, all I wanted to do is to just have my beautiful kids and forever and hide them from the world, basically. Yeah. I felt really helpless and powerful. Uh, then fast forward till the day uh, of the Women's March on January 21st, and it was also my first time marching ever. And um, this is how I learned about Plastic for Peace when uh, it was just a Facebook group. And uh, they had those buses, like they arranged the buses going to the march. And it was like, okay, I'm just gonna get my ticket. I knew nobody who's going that I really knew, and I'm just, I'm just gonna go, and you know, just show up, be there. Uh, I remember I arrived that day wearing my American flag hijab, and this feeling of being lost was replaced by a feeling of being home and being found. And um, <clears throat> I never felt more American, uh, and never felt more that I belonged in that more than that day. And uh, you could feel the love and the peacefulness in the air. Um, Yeah, my initial plan was not to be there for the whole thing. Um, 
but of course I was at the last bus returning back home to Samara. <laughs> my heart was filled with love for everyone and I had this power and this strength, but I didn't know what to do with it. So thankfully, uh, right the next day, uh, the Plutonium for Peace founders asked people to volunteer to start signing up to lead committees, different committees, to help make the change and uh, raise awareness. And your committee specifically, the one that you signed on to, that you co-chair, is the Neighbors Without Borders Committee. Tell us a little bit about that. So the Neighbors Without Borders Committee is, it started with like uh, other like uh, like subcommittees. It was not like this. We didn't start with the Neighbors Without Borders. It was basically a different border, different committees like, you know, racial justice, Islamophobia, Black Lives Matter, immigrant rights, refugee uh, support. And uh, then all those subcommittees, they came together and made Neighbors Without Borders. And we aim to increase awareness of our differences in culture, faith, and nationality. And just to help understand each other better and build friendships and start um, with, you know, young, start with young people all the way up to, to, you know, adults. And we do so, like, you know, events that goes with this theme. So, so far, we've held three main events that I can talk about and I'm so proud of. Um, on June 16 uh, and during the holy month of Ramadan, uh, I'm proud to say that we held our own um, Sammamish Ramadan iftar for the first time here in Sammamish. And, and that's, a, that's the dinner that you have after the day of fasting, correct? Exactly, exactly. And we had a total of 100 people where uh, 15 non-Muslims got to break fast with their, fellow non- with their fellow Muslims. It was beautiful and peaceful night of connection and mutual understanding. I want to ask you a little bit more about that, if I can. Um, have people expressed in the community an interest in learning more about Islam? Yes, yes, definitely. And, you know, the minute we sent out the invitations, we got so many people coming back and wanting to come. We had to stop at a certain point and say we have enough people. And, yeah, and I think, you know, after all that's been happening, it's actually people are more interested and they want to learn more about different people. So I would say, yeah, definitely, yes. People have more questions and are willing to ask more questions now. So it's essential that people are doing that right now. And in fact, social psychologists will say that one of the things that drives hate is a lack of understanding. And in particular, um, a lack of personal interaction with people who are different than you are. And so it sounds like both of you are actively bridging those gaps right now. Yes, and right after that, with um, the the Syrian dinner experience where we had uh, our guest of honors were the first Syrian refugee family settling here in Seattle. And we had, it was like a fundraiser, and we had uh, for Platopian for Peace and uh, Welcome Home Refugees Washington. There were people there, they came to see those uh, Syrian refugees and talk to them and hear their story and ask them questions. And as you said, we were just hoping to give faces and stories to words like refugee and immigrant and just humanize it and right. for people to, you know, be friends. And yeah, it's, Absolutely. yeah, it would be really hard to hate, you know, somebody if you, you know, you actually get to know him, you know. So, That's right. Yep. And you mentioned there was a third event? 
Yeah, the third event is an ongoing monthly free event at the Sammamish Library. It's called Stories from Around the World, uh, where we take the visitors um, of the library who come to visit us at the library room where we uh, hold our events uh, around the world, one continent at a time. Uh, we reach out to people from our community who were born or lived in those countries, and they come and represent and share the culture and traditions and faith. And, you know, we, we want to, as I said, we want to start young. So kids will come in and they will get to learn about all those different countries and cultures. So, and this happens every month and we have an upcoming event uh, this coming sun Sunday at the Sammamish Library. And uh, our uh, continent we're doing this month is uh, Africa. And if people want to learn more about that, Sarah, I know that you've made the URL uh, easier to spell than Platopians for Peace. So yes. tell us what it is. So our website is the letter P, spell out the word for, so F-O-R-P-E-A-C-E dot com. Perfect. So I, I want to talk about the event that you held on August 14th, the Vigil Against Hate. And this was in the wake of the violence in Charlottesville, Virginia. And your event was actually covered on Cairo TV. Tell us about the vigil, Sarah, if you can. Give us an idea what the mood was like. Well, um, we definitely got quite a few Facebook messages. Are you doing something? Are you going to do something? And initially we thought, well, there's one in Issaquah already, and maybe we could carpool and do, I think Bellevue was supposed to do one Monday night, but then it just, so many people messaged us. So we decided with two days notice, um, Kate, our vice president, uh, decided to basically coordinate the whole thing. Um, and then Haley Gudgeon, who's also on Neighbors Without Borders, um, put together some hearts that people could write messages on. And we coordinated the whole thing within two days. 70 people showed up and people just want an opportunity to come and talk and, and share what they're feeling, how they're feeling, what they want to do about it. A lot of them feel lost yeah. and they need to know that their neighbors are here. And we, we never, ever ask who they voted for. We don't ask anything politically. We just don't feel that this is a partisan issue at all. And um, we want our neighbors to feel safe. We're all about neighbors, these people right next to you that are in line in the grocery store. We want everyone around us to feel safe. And all too often, I think we kind of exist uh, a little bit separately. Um, it's it's yes. all too easy <laughs> to, you know, go from your home to your work to, you know, pick up the kids at school and then come home and then not interact. And so, yeah, I, I think your, your ability to uh, get people actually out and interacting is, it sounds like it's, it's serving a pretty vital community uh, service. I, I hear that time and time again where people feel like, you know, they come home from work, they pull their car into the garage, they close the garage door, and they go inside, they have dinner, but they never, ever see the people that live on their street. And um, I grew up in the Mr. Rogers generation, right? So, so I want to know who the people are in my neighborhood. And I think people are feeling, I think even with social media, there's this isolation where like, I'm just going to hide behind my keyboard for my friends, but you never actually meet anybody new that way. Right. So we're giving people a lot of opportunities to come and meet different people here in the community. Sammamish is, is an affluent community, but there's a lot of diversity here. And yet people still feel like they're in their own isolated little pockets. So we're trying to give empower people to have those opportunities to meet 
a wide range of neighbors. These are enormously trying times right now. And I should mention that as of the recording of this on on the 16th of August, it's the day after Trump went back on his revised statement uh, in a press conference, a very contentious press conference about the events in Charlotte and basically reignited uh, a firestorm on race relations in this country. What he said goes against everything that your group stands for and, and frankly, against what the majority of Americans stand for. Uh, if you'd care to, I'd love to get uh, some of your thoughts and feelings right now. Uh, Yasmin, what, what, are you, what are your feelings about what's going on right now? So I would say that um, I've been like going through the news in the weekends and uh, being born and raised in the Middle East, uh, in Egypt, uh, I was reading the news and thinking this all sounds so familiar. Even my reaction of denial and no way this can be real, you know, those people are not real, nobody would say that. And um, But the more I read, the more uh, this movement reminded me uh, so much with the news coming from the Middle East about ISIS. Um, I know this sounds scary and I don't want to be an alarmist, but this is how, you know, how it started. All those brainwashed people with hearts and minds full of hate, um, even the, the, their faces in the media, the way they speak, the way those young people were recruited on the internet, the techniques that's been used for brainwashing the misfits and giving them a purpose of hate um, by scaring them from everybody else. Um, and all I could think of is that we cannot afford to be in denial. We need to be out there. We need to speak up uh, and we need to stick together and have a voice. Uh, basically, we need to spread love um, where there will be no place for hate. Well, Sarah, I'll, I'll turn to you. How are the events over the last week, weekend, actually, how, how are they, I guess, resonating with you? Unfortunately, I don't find them very surprising. I feel like this is all, it, it all just feels like continuity, which is unfortunate. I feel like I've spent a lot of my life believing good things and thinking good thoughts, but maybe not showing or acting on those things and uh, maybe not showing up when I should have. And I'd become, I had become complacent and in, in, in becoming complacent, I'd become complicit. And I think now I've realized um, how much more I need to show up. And um, I just love that our community has come together and they want to show up too. And so I'm trying to just keep moving forward and showing up. Well, Sarah Haas, Kimsey, and uh, Yasmin abdel Dayam, I want to thank you uh, for all the work that you're doing, and also thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Stefan. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you, Stefan. And that will do it for this week's show. If you would like to learn more about the show, head over to indivisiblepodcast.org. That is where you will find links to all of the things that we talk about here. Plus, there's a searchable back catalog of shows and it is also where you can subscribe so we can let you know when new shows are released each week and uh, allow me to repeat our email address which is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com again that is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com keep on shooting me questions and comments and all that good stuff 
you guys are awesome. Oh, and hey, we have officially joined the 21st century with a Twitter handle, which is at IndivisiblePod. Again, at IndivisiblePod. You can catch me over there occasionally trying to be clever. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. Thank you again to my guests, Mona Doss, Sarah Haas Kimsey, and Yasmin abdel Dayam. And thank you to Aaron Albanese for your help with this week's show. You are awesome, Aaron. And thanks, as always, to you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.